So today we are gonna continue with our second episode of His Story series. We're looking at God's faithfulness through nine episodes of the Old Testament. And we have our very own pastor of spiritual formation, Bob Moss. So let me pray as we dive in. Lord, I thank you for everyone that is watching and we thank you for your presence that goes with us no matter where we are. And so I do pray a special blessing over every home and family today. And I also ask God that you would open up our ears to hear your words spoken through Pastor Bob. I thank you for Bob and his example. I thank you for how you have blessed me through him. And uh, we thank you for this time together. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. Well, it's really, really good to be here today with you. And I too want to join with Jose and wish everybody out there happy Father's Day and uh, ask that the Lord be with you. We're going to begin our message today by reading from Genesis chapter number three, verses one through 13. What we're going to be talking about today is the first false pretense that came against God and his kingdom after he created everything. So let's begin by reading Genesis 3, 1 through 13. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat from the tree that is in the middle of the garden and you must not touch it or you will die. You will certainly not die, the serpent said to the woman. For God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. When then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked, so they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? The man said, the woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it. Then the Lord God said to the woman, 
What is this you have done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. What we have here is the scenario of the first great tragedy in all of creation. You see, when God created the heavens and the earth and at the end of every day, of creation, he would look at it and he would say, it is good. God was very pleased with what he had made. The second chapter of Genesis goes into further detail about some of the creation and it talks about Eve and it talks about the commandment not to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And it also describes another tree in the middle of the garden. That was the tree of life. We'll talk about that tree a little bit later. But here we have a description of how the fall of man came about. It began with the statement, now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. You see, Craftiness is being able to take something that is good or take something that is true and put a slant on it that makes it deceptive. You see, when, when the serpent tempted Eve, he began by asking a very simple question. Did God really say? You see, what he asked was, you must, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? And that's not what God said. So the woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat from the tree that is in the middle of the garden and you must not touch it or you will die. Now, the serpent comes along and he makes a statement, an emphatic statement. He says, you will not certainly die. Now, here's what's interesting about that statement. It's partially true. You see, when Adam and Eve did eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, they didn't physically die immediately although they did die spiritually. So what the enemy said to her was partially true, but it was enough that really confused her. So he goes on and he makes a true statement. He says, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. That was a true statement because later on, God says the very same thing about what happened. So the point I'm trying to make is that when, when we are engaging in an enemy, with an enemy, 
We must know the truth of God's word. That is why it is so important that we hide the word of God in our heart so that we will know when we are being deceived. Because many times people will ask us questions and part of the question will sound true and it will sound good, but actually people are trying to trap us. They did that with Jesus all the time. But because he knew the word, he always came back with an answer that was right. So, you will not certainly die, he said. And that was true. But it was also a false statement because they did die spiritually. Now, in verse 6, we see how temptation works. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Now, when she looked at the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, it was like all of the other trees. In this way, all of the trees in the garden, God said, were pleasing to the eyes and good for food. But she also found out from the trick or the craftiness of the serpent it was desirable for gaining wisdom. There's nothing wrong with gaining wisdom. But gaining wisdom man's way will always lead to destruction. You see, there's a way that seems right to man and mankind. But the end thereof is the way of death. So... She took and she ate and she gave to her husband who was with her. Now, to me, as I look through this whole scenario, my big question is, what was Adam doing this whole time? And here we are. We have to ask the question, why was he silent? Why was he silent? Did Adam abdicate his responsibility. On this Father's Day, we must remember the words of Paul in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. You see, fathers, we have a big responsibility. And I want to take just a moment to address this. We are living in an age in our country when the truth of God's word is being challenged like never before. False pretenses are setting themselves up against the knowledge and wisdom of God. 
Things are happening in our world that are upside down. People call good evil and evil good. And we must stand and do what God wants us to do. Now, we're going to cover that in the end in my conclusion. But I just want you on this Father's Day, and I'm speaking to the fathers. Fathers, as a pastor of spiritual formation at Cypress Creek Church, I implore you, be a man of God. Be a man of God that stands for the truth of God's word. And love your wives the way that Jesus Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. Now in verse 7, we see the tragedy of what happened in their disobedience. It says, then the eyes of both of them were opened and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. This is the very first sin. This is the very first disobedient act of God. And what we see that immediately follows is this. In the recognition of their sin, they tried to cover their sin in their own way. They sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. You see, God's way of covering sin is not through works. It's not through what we can do but it's what God does for us. So we see a few verses later that God made his own covering for them. You see, an animal had to be sacrificed in order for the skin of that animal to be the clothing for them. And what we see in that is the beginning of God's redemptive plan. You see, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. We see how that played out a little bit later with Adam's first two boys, Cain and Abel. Cain, he tilled the land. And Abel, he was a shepherd of sheep, and they both brought a sacrifice to God. Cain brought the fruit of his labor, and Abel brought a sheep and sacrificed it. Abel's sacrifice was accepted by God, but Cain's wasn't. And instead of doing a right sacrifice, Cain chose to murder his brother out of jealousy. Well, we go on here and we see that the man and his wife, after they sinned and tried to cover their nakedness, they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the cool of the day, walking in the garden, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. You see, sin 
separates mankind from God. But the Lord called to the man, where are you? And he answered, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. You see, sin brings fear. Sin brings guilt. Sin brings shame. And when God is wanting to fellowship with us, we don't want to fellowship with him. And the Bible tells us that all of us, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us are turning to our own way. Why are we turning to our own way? It's very simple. Because of sin. Because we don't want to go God's way. Because of fear. Because of shame. Because of guilt. So God asks Adam a question. He says, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? And the man said, the woman you put here with me. You see, that's another example of what we do to try to deal with our sin. Two people that, that Adam tries to point to to blame for his problem. You see, you are the one that gave me that woman. And that woman is the one that gave me the fruit. And I just ate it. Well, that doesn't relinquish the responsibility. Because then the Lord God goes to the woman and he says, what is this that you have done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. Now, here is what I want to really bring home today. And that is Adam and Eve didn't die physically. So that part of what the serpent told Eve was really true in that they, they wouldn't die immediately. But they did immediately die spiritually. And here is the problem. And the problem is that God had a way for people to eat and live eternally. It was the tree of life that was in the middle of the garden. And so later God said in verse 22, the man has now become like one of us, knowing good and evil. That's exactly what the serpent told him, told Eve. But he goes on and says, he must not be allowed to reach out his hand and take also from the tree of life and eat and live forever. So the result was that they were expelled from the garden. Now, they were still created in God's image. They were still creatures that had this capacity to fellowship with God. But now they were in darkness. The kingdom of light 
which was represented by the Garden of Eden. They were expelled from it and they went from light to darkness. And the sin of Adam and Eve by rejecting God's word brought darkness to all mankind. And ever since then, Eve, the mother of all human beings, doesn't matter what your race is, what your nationality is, we all trace our roots back to Eve. And Eve brought darkness into the world. Adam brought darkness into the world. So that every time a child is born, as precious as they are, created in the image of God, by their very nature, they are going to be blind spiritually because the darkness of Satan's kingdom is the darkness of death. And all of us are born into this world, into darkness. Now, here's the good news. Here is the good news. And that is, God had a plan. Before he even created the world, God had a plan. Now, I wanted to move on just a minute and talk about another experience because the flood came along and and there was another event that took place after the flood and that was the Tower of Babel. I want to talk about that just a minute. Then they said, come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens. This is in Genesis 11:4 so that we may make a name for ourselves. Otherwise, we will be scattered over the face of the whole earth. And so all of the people gathered together with bricks and mortar, and they began to build this tower to make a name for themselves. Not to glorify God, but to make a name for themselves. But in verse 5, it says, The Lord God came down to see the city and the tower that the people were building. And the Lord God said, If as one people speaking the same language, they have begun to do this, then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. Come, let us go down and confuse their language so they will not understand each other. So the Lord scattered them from there over all the earth and they stopped building the city. You see, the very thing that they feared, they feared being scattered. When they did what they did without the guidance and leadership of the Holy Spirit, God came down and destroyed it. And they ended up being scattered so the question is, where are we today, right now, right this very moment, where are we putting our trust? You see, that was the problem in the garden. Adam and Eve didn't trust God. Somehow they felt 
like there was wisdom that they needed to have that was supposed to come another way. The only way that we will find true wisdom is God's way by trusting him and surrendering. So where are we putting our trust? Psalm 20, verse number seven says, some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. You see, the only place that we really need to put our trust is in the name of the Lord our God. If we trust ourselves, we will be deceived. But if we trust God, we will have light to walk in. And then in Psalm 37, verses five and six, commit your way to the Lord, trust in him, and he will do this. He will make your righteous reward shine like the dawn, your vindication like the noonday sun. And another verse in Psalm 56, three, when I am afraid, I put my trust in you. Trusting God. Psalm 118, verse 8. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in humans. And then Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. One of my life verses. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. And lean not on your own understanding. But in all your ways, submit to him. Surrender to him and he will make your path straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. So in conclusion, I want to say this. Adam and Eve didn't realize it but they were engaged in a spiritual battle in the garden. Today, you and I, as disciples of Jesus Christ, are engaged in a spiritual battle. And Paul said this in 2 Corinthians 10, verses 3 through 5. For though we live in the world we do not wage war the way the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. They speaking about the weapons that we have and what are the weapons that we have? We have the truth. We have the understanding of the gospel that is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes, first for the Jew, then for the Greek. But the weapons that we fight with, on the contrary, have divine power to demolish strongholds. So we demolish arguments and 
every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Jesus Christ. We can do that by having the word of God hidden in our heart. So if you're listening to me today and you have a desire to go deeper with God, it doesn't happen by accident. We talked for a number of weeks about spiritual disciplines before we got into this series. And I'm grateful to watch the growth of many people in our church that are cultivating and developing new disciplines in their life. It's exciting to see the transformation that is taking place. So I just encourage you. We can look back at Adam and Eve and we can see that they fell into a trap. And we may fall into traps too, because we are human. We still have darkness that we have to contend with in our own life. That's why the Bible tells us so clearly that we need to be transformed by the renewing of our mind so that we can test and prove what God's will is. So I am telling you today, out of love, out of a deep love that I have in my heart for you right now, that you commit your way unto the Lord Jesus Christ. Trust him because he alone is the only human being that has ever lived who is worthy of our trust. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the victory that we have in Jesus Christ because he has made us more than conquerors. Yes, it's true that the fall, it was a real event. And it is true that we are citizens by birth into a kingdom of darkness. But we're grateful that you, through the blood of Jesus Christ, have translated us, have delivered us out of the kingdom of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of light. We give you the glory. We give you the praise because this was your plan. Amen.